everybody. Welcome to the Final Femme podcast. Uh, my name is Sydney, and I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Hi, Jack. Yo, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Okay. You? Uh, great. Uh, this week we watched Psycho, which is, I'm a little nervous to review because it's a classic and it's very good. I like Psycho a lot. So, Jack, what did you think? I did like it. Have you seen this before? No, I did not, or I have not. But I feel like, you know, I kind of knew what I was getting into. I think the, the the whole premise of like, you know, he has mom issues, that whole thing is like spoiled already. So I kind of yeah. knew all, all that was coming. But like, as far as like the first half of the movie, yeah, didn't really see all that set up and all that stuff coming. So, But you knew the good. twist already. Yes. Yes. Dang it. All right. One of these times, I'm going to catch you on a twisty movie. I will figure it out. All right. Well, so Psycho came out in uh, 1960, September 8th, 1960. So kind of sticking with a fall theme. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was directed by Alfred Hitchcock and it was written by my facts. Come back. It was written by Joseph Stefano. um, And it was actually a book that was written in 1959 by Robert Block, the same name. So I did not realize it was a book. Did you know that? Oh, no. I was going to ask if you read it. Uh, No, I haven't. Have you? No, I would kind of like to, though. And see kind of like how Alfred Hitchcock kind of did something different, adapted it a little differently. But yeah, yeah, I would read that. I would be curious. Maybe for Patreon, if we do enough movies that are also (sighs) like books, we could do like a little reading thing and discuss a little book club on the side. Like we could narrate it like an audiobook. Oh, well, I just meant or we could each read one of the movies. I'll take the female parts. (laughs) Yes. You could do the male parts. Yes, definitely. Or awesome. we could just each read one of the movie books and talk about it. Or we could narrate okay, it. Okay, all right. Too. We might get sued for that second one, but who knows? <laughs> True. Okay, so let's go over some of the actors. So Anthony Perkins plays Norman Bates, very famously. And Janet Lee plays Marion Crane. And I don't know if you knew this, but Janet Lee is Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. So it's like a horror family. <laughs> She, uh, so Jamie Lee Curtis is like, I guess I'll just do what mom did and like fell in her footsteps. <laughs> Fine, mom. I'll yes. do that. I, uh, kind of did a deep dive on some of the actors because this movie is so old. I did not really recognize any of these people. So I kind of uh-huh. did a deep dive to see who they were and where they came from. And I did notice that, yes, she was Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, which was interesting. Yeah. Well, this movie, like, I think I have it written down here. Um, it was nominated for 14 awards and it got eight award wins which is really good for a horror movie wow yeah was best scream one of them because there was a lot of good screams in this (laughs) best scream i know that yeah janet lee uh won a golden globe for this role Jeez. and i think norman not norman sorry anthony perkins won an award on here too i could see that i could see that he was very convincing yeah they were both excellent like he won an online film and television award, but that's not what I was thinking. Online? Of. Back in the 60s? Yeah, it's not. Uh, mm. Well, he was recognized later, I guess. For the, I, I don't know. I, I did not look all look at all the awards and stuff, but mm, I would I be interested. For some reason. I, it wouldn't surprise me if I'm wrong and he did win some kind of extra award because this he was they were both excellent in this movie. Yes. Yes. And this is our first black and white film, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind black and white. I guess I don't know how you feel about it. You know, when I started first started watching it, I, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. But then, much like Friday the Thirteenth, I could, oh my god, I couldn't see hardly anything. Which I it definitely plays into this movie's strengths of 
being Maybe very. Maybe need to go to an optometrist. What do you mean you couldn't see any? This was well lit. The outside scenes. Oh well. Okay. Yeah. At uh, most of it was. Most of it was. Yes. I, it was. It was fine. But there was a couple where, like, you know, uh, Norman Bates is running down from the house, and you, I can't, you don't, you basically like see a silhouette up on the hill, and then you don't see him for like ten seconds, and then he pops out of the motel. It's like, okay, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It was, it was still fine, but very dark, very dark, very dark. You don't agree? Okay. No, sorry, I was just double checking Anthony Perkins. No, I agree with you. The outside stuff was a little dark, mm-hmm. but still better lit than Friday the 13th for sure. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So the tagline's actually that IMDb has, at least it says the picture you must see from the beginning or not at all for no one will be seated after the start of Alfred Hitchcock's greatest shocker, Psycho. So does that mean no one was admitted after it started? <laughs> I'm not sure. Because I really like that policy. They should oh, still do that. Actually, yes. No one but no one will be admitted to the theater after the start of each performance of Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Good. You have to see it from the beginning. Don't give away the ending. It's the only one we have. <laughs> and turn off your rotary uh, telephones. Yeah, turn off your rotary telephones. <laughs> yeah, look, so that's, you know, that seems like a very 60s tagline. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why. It's just very long and kind of clumsy but sure oh. sure okay i get it it made uh, me laugh a little bit yes i was just gonna say the one i did like was don't give away the ending it's the only one we have i think you yeah that said that that's, that's a really good one <laughs> all right um so the estimated budget for this guy was eight hundred thousand six dollars oh no eight hundred six thousand nine hundred forty seven dollars thank you eight hundred six thousand nine hundred forty seven dollars cool i'm very cool clearly not a math major obviously i love how it's eight hundred thousand and then like someone bought two coffees and pushed <laughs> it over the edge with six dollars <laughs> yeah sorry i'm bad at reading big numbers okay so opening weekend for the gross worldwide it did 32 million even Jeez. or sorry that's gross us and canada okay so gross worldwide was 32 million 52925. Okay, so it made like fifty thousand dollars more. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. In the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like one theater in each country showed it, and that's it. <laughs> one time. Wow. Yeah. So I have some interesting facts here, just a little bit. Uh I kind of got interested in Janet Lee because this is like one of her most iconic roles, but she's actually only on the screen for like 45 minutes of mm-hmm. this one hour, 49 minute movie. Man, no. <laughs> Um, but she was in like uh, 1939's Little Women. So she was in some bigger roles before. And she goes on to get other roles after this. But this was, she says, like the role she was most credited for or remembered for. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. And not just because of the shower scene. Right. <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, Hitchcock showing up in each one of his movies with like a small cameo part. So in this one, he was guy in crowd outside of the real estate window, which I looked, but I didn't catch him I, yeah i saw the credits but i didn't even notice him he, he just yeah. must blend in very well yeah i don't know if this is like is like this one of the first directors to like start that like i'm in the movie but like no one knows who i am like i don't know stephen king does it for his movies too like he'll just pop up yeah, it was kind of hitchcock's shtick yeah wait wait wait. he was always hold on in, in the background who are you <gasps> oh hi oh my god wait a second. sid who is this well, uh, uh, my name is Mort. Okay. What are you doing in our room? Jack, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. We did? I'm a new editor for you guys. Sorry to startle you. I was standing <laughs> outside the window. You didn't see me with my 
with my bowler hat on and my nice suit. I could have been taking a shower. Jack. You just freaked us out. What? Yes? <laughs> Why are you taking a shower during our podcast? These mics are incredible. I could, well, I you know, I could so. easily do that. Mm. Don't don't mind my lumpy extra large newspaper roll here. Uh-huh. Yeah, sorry. I forgot to tell you about our new our new person. <laughs> Sid, you got to you got to we got to have some meetings before these. Yeah. Uh, well, but I thank you because we needed a new producer because mm. well, uh David from our last recording is mm-hmm. no longer with us. Um I think the term is that he just you know how your your parents said, don't sit too close to the TV, stop looking at the TV, stop looking at the TV so long, that kind of thing. Quit talking da- to ghosts, yeah. There's a little bit of that too. Um, so David just, like, he basically just sat in front of a TV and died. His eyes just, boop, popped right His out. His eyes melted and he looked really happy. His mouth was like <laughs> kind of opened <laughs> down. So it must have been a good movie at the end, but like oh. our condolences to his family and yes. the fact that they had to walk in on him Ugh, rest in peace <laughs> after watching all that what was uh, flintstones or something probably that's one i don't remember what it was on tv yeah barney maybe. Happy ending, though, huh? <laughs> i guess <laughs> let's say he had a uh stuffed newspaper at the end of that everybody's gotta have experience one. okay anyway, is that what you said welcome mort <laughs> it's good to meet you i'll just try and make sure everything's sounding good on this end you believe in you oh, thank you Someone's got to do it. That's right. Because it's not going to be us. We're going to fuck it up. It's not us. It's not us. All right. So I'm going to read a brief scenario and then we're going to get into it. Okay. So um, Psycho, the synopsis is a Phoenix secretary embezzles $40,000 from her employer's client, goes on the run and checks into a remote motel run by a young man under the domination of his mother. Yeah, that's that's it. That pretty much (laughs) sums it up. And that's the show. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, so... Let's get into it. Please, let's. Um, so we start off strong with the black and white credits while the famous psycho music that kind of plays throughout the whole movie um, starts. It's some strong violins. It's just black and white credits, which mm-hmm. they kind of let you know up front, which I appreciated that this is based off of a book because they don't always do that. And I didn't know that. So then we pop over to some words on the screen, which is definitely Jack's favorite, as we've heard. Oh, so this is all true, right? Yeah, this is all a true story. <laughs> um, so we are starting out in Phoenix, Arizona. We're looking over a skyline. And it is Friday, December the 11th at 2.43 p.m., which I wrote down, but it's not actually important. Uh, very specific. I know. <laughs> Do we need to know that? I, d- I don't know. I, but Right? I was like, oh, this must come back to play. So I wrote it down. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I just needed to know that it was Friday. Also, now that you mention it, you said 2.40 something? 2.43 p.m. So our, our protagonist, who is Marion, is basically kind of, she's taking a lunch, which at 2.43, that's a late lunch. The late lunch. Yeah. Yes. So we zoom into an office window where we see a good looking half dressed couple kind of rolling around on the bed a little bit. And we discover that that is Marion Crane, played by uh, Janet Lee and 
Sam, whose last name I didn't write down. I got you. Loomis. But he is played by John Gavin. Loomis. Sam Loomis. (laughs) Thank you. Of course you remembered Loomis. Well, that's Billy's last name, Billy Loomis. From Are you serious? Yes. Oh, (laughs) my God. Jack is just so excited. Billy is back in the chat. It all comes back. And Jack has left the chat. (laughs) Full circle, baby. All right. Yes. So I at first I thought Sam was married, but now I he kept talking about his ex-wife, so he might be estranged. But Marion is essentially like, I want to be together. I don't want to keep sneaking around. And Sam's like, oh, uh, yeah, me too, baby. But like, I don't have the money and kind of puts her off a little bit. I love the dialogue in this. It's like, we got to be together, Sam. We got to be together. <laughs> well, I don't know, baby. If we can do it, we got to die. It's I like, know. it's so like, uh. So exaggerated. He's kind of a turd. His whole thing is, yeah. I want to waste money on air air flights to come visit you in Phoenix from mm-hmm. wherever the, he was from, and then just meet up clandestinely in like in a hotel room. But we, I don't want to get married because I'm my living situation is not good. Like, come on. Yeah, he essentially tells her like they can't be together because of money because yeah. he can't get alimony from his ex wife and. Oh, my living space is so small. But, like, it comes across as pretty clearly a line. Like, he just doesn't want to. It's fun to have her be the girlfriend that he flies in town and sleeps with for the weekend and then gets to go home and not worry about it. He's got what we would call, Sid, commitment issues. (gasps) I got to do it this time. We would call it that, yes. (laughs) You did! You did it! (laughs) So she's telling him, like, that's it. This is the last time. We're not doing this again. And he, like, knows she doesn't mean it. He's like, yeah, baby, sure. No problem. Okay, sugar. But then he's, like, nuzzling on her neck because he's a little shitbird. So she's telling him she's done with him, but whatever. He doesn't believe her. So she walks out. He's asking, hey, can we walk out together? And she's like, no, I'm late to work. I got to get back. So she leaves, walks into her work. Um, and we discover that she is a secretary for, yeah. I guess it's a real estate office then, if that's where Alfred Hitchcock was supposed to be. Yeah, I think that's what it was supposed to be. So she's a secretary and she's working with Patricia, who is... Caroline? The girl's name is Caroline, but she is Patricia Hitchcock, the actress. Yes, which is Alfred's daughter, apparently, which is kind of kind of crazy. I think so, yeah. Which was neat. So she double checks with Caroline, like, hey, the boss isn't back yet, and she's Caroline's like, well, no, actually, he's having a, a leave and later lunch than you, so you didn't miss anything. And then she kind of babbles on, and we get the idea that her marriage kind of sucks. Caroline's? Yeah, because she's taking, like, tranquilizers to get through her day-to-day work. Yeah, that was hilarious. Okay, so, yeah, Marion walks in, and she's like, oh, I got a headache. I got a headache. And she, Caroline's like, just take these. They're yeah. horse tranquilizers. It's like, what? So I don't know if that's a joke or, like, that's an actual <laughs> thing that they took in the 60s. Like, I could, it could go either way for me. I mean, it would make your day-to-day life pretty easy. That would be ketamine. Hmm? Oh. Ketamine to make your day go by. Ketamine, Caroline. Taking some ketamine. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she was. Well, you know what? She's doing great if she's on ketamine. And functioning at her job like that? Absolutely. I know. That was impressive. So uh, Marion's boss comes in, and his name is George Lowry, and he is played by Vaughn Taylor. And he walks in with a client, Tom Cassidy, who is played by Frank Albertson. His line, I think this was Tom's line. Wow, hot as fresh milk. Ha <laughs> ha. Like what? 
hot as fresh milk because it's it's yeah. really hot outside Phoenix. Blah blah blah. There's no air conditioning in the office. What a weird line. Mr. Cassidy is gross. I hate Mr. Cassidy. He's just gross. He, yeah, he's fucking being a creep talking about like, oh, you girls should get your boss to turn on the air conditioning because he can afford it because I just made a great deal with him. And then he like sits down on Marion's desk and is like, look at my daughter. Isn't she hot? Like she's 18 and I'm going to marry her off and I'm buying her a house. And he just keeps like. He's clearly drunk. Being a fucking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is, this is like, this person is the epitome of what I hate in a, in a guy. Mm. Swaggering around, you're fucking drunk and wasted, and you're hitting on women that clearly do not want to be talking to you, and it's no. written on their face, but you continue to do it anyway. And you're bragging, you know, bragging with your money, you're waving around in, your, in their faces. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, he keeps talking about like, oh, I've got forty thousand dollars to put down on the house, and like that's how I'm going to keep her close and all this. It's just, it's gross. And like Jack said, they clearly don't want to be talking to him. No, even her boss. They like do a quick shot at yeah. him and he like raises his eyebrows like, oh, geez. Like he even he has had too much even of this he, guy. Yeah. Yes. So he's Mr. Cass Tom Cassidy is saying like, oh, I'm just going to leave the 40K here with you over the weekend and we'll sign the deed on Monday. Like we'll sign the deal. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Lowry, like Jack said, doesn't want the money to stay in the office over the weekend. So he tells Marion like, hey, just run this to the bank. I don't want it to be here over the weekend just in case there's a break in. So she goes into the inner office where Tom Cassidy is still being a creep. And she asks Mr. Lowry if she can go home because she has a headache. And Tom Cassidy is the one who's like, yeah, sure, girly, go ahead. We're going to, like, have a drink. Yeah, they're going to do some uh, casual day drinking, work drinking. Like, I didn't fucking ask you because I don't work for you, Tom Cassidy. Also, Tom, I'm going to start using this. This is where I look up to Tom. Mm. He says, I'm dying of thirst -a rooney <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Thirstaroonie. That sounds like a Chef yeah. Boyardee dish. A terrible one. Oh, Thirstaroonie. That's a San Francisco treat. Ding, ding. <laughs> Comes complete with creeps. Oh, man. So uh, Marion takes the $40,000 and she's supposed to be going to the bank, but we see her at home packing a suitcase and she looks very conflicted and she's packing. She's kind of looking around the apartment and we like, come to the realization, oh, she stole this money because Sam told her they don't have enough money for them to be together because Sam's an asshole, so she stole this money so they can actually be together. Yes. So she gets in her car, and I like that they kind of keep this consistent throughout the movie. We zoom in on Marion's face while you can hear in her head what she thinks people are saying. Yes. But it also kind of lines up with what people are actually saying. Right. It's like a good way of like picking the the exposition going on while she's in the car. And and she does such a good job of I mean, these scenes are just her looking in the camera, yeah. driving, pretending to drive a car, and her eyebrows are like so expressive and she does such a good job. She yes. She looking has worried. Expression. Uh, yes, yes. So in her head, she's Sam is saying, oh, my gosh, like, what are you doing here? That's crazy. And you did what? Just calm down. Tell me about it. And oh, my like she's portraying him as excited in her head, like at first shocked, but then excited about mm -hmm. their future together. So then she stops at a stoplight and her <laughs> boss walks by. And at first she smiles and waves because she forget that she said she had a headache and she was going home to lie down. And he kind of stops and does a double take and then her face drops and she just peels out of the stoplight. Yeah, she's like, uh, she's now a little worried that, mm -hmm. you know, her boss is probably going to realize that he, he does like kind of like a 
did I just see that kind of look? Like, so he, I don't even think he's aware. Yeah, he does a double take. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing the, we're still looking at her face and she's driving down the road and she's, that's right. She's getting sleepy. Getting sleepy. She's kind of imagining people realizing that she's gone or that something weird is happening and it's, it's becoming nighttime. Mm-hmm. And she's just kind of going over in her head, like what people might be saying. And like uh, Jack said, her eyebrows are very expressive. It's good. But it's good. She's good. She's good. With good. That. So then the next scene is the car is pulled over. And at first I thought she had engine trouble, but mm-hmm. there's a police car that pulls up behind her. And the policeman goes up with these huge aviators and he just sticks his whole ass face into the, the window. And then we see she's sleeping. And so it was like, oh, she just pulled over to sleep. It must be the next day. So he taps on the window, taps on the window, wakes her up. And like his face is just right fucking there. This guy has the best mug (laughs) in the business. I I don't know how to describe it. Let's see. I'm going to look at it right now. I mean, he looks like a police officer that is trying to intimidate you. He's looking straight at her. Aviators, you can't see his eyes and just like stern look, lips pursed. And he just... Like you said, his whole face is filling up the screen. Yeah, it's a big ass face. It's a big face, yes. Which uh, more? Let's give credit to uh, what's what's his name? Mort Mills. Wait, mm-hmm. Mort? Are you named after Mort Mills? Oh man, that might be. Whoa! Oh, no, that's crazy. It's a strong name that man has. It is. It, it is. is a strong name. Strong glasses. <laughs> Me, Mort Mills, and Morton Salt, baby. I'll tell you. Morton Salt. Hell yeah! Wow. Love that umbrella, lady. So- I don't know. <laughs> the officer is saying, well, why, you know, essentially like, hey, why didn't you pull into a hotel? And she's like, oh, I, I didn't mean to sleep this long. I just meant to sleep for like an hour. I was getting so tired. And he keeps not questioning, but like prodding her a little bit. And she, she's like, well, it's not a crime to sleep here. Have I done something wrong? Am I am I acting suspicious? And he just pauses and he goes, well, yeah, you are acting suspicious. And she is. She totally is. She would be a terrible poker player. The more, okay, the more she talks, the yes. it's just immediately. Even as not a police officer myself, I'm like, lady, you got to rein this in. Like you are <laughs> giving away everything by talking. Just stop talking. Stop talking. She's like, I haven't done anything wrong. I just wanted to sleep. Why is that? Is that a crime? Can I go? I just want to leave. <laughs> He's Miss like, ma'am, uh, settle uh-huh. down. Uh, so she cannot stop being suspicious. So he's like, you know what? Give me your license. And she's like, oh, motherfucker. So she turns her whole body away from him so she can pull the envelope this- of cash out of her purse yes. and like hide it in front of her body and then turns without looking at him to hand him her license. Like, that's definitely not suspicious, girl. Absolutely not. Thing. Yeah. So she turns to pull all the suspicious shit out first. <laughs> it's like the money. And then it's like the deeds to her life, basically. And while she's doing yeah. this, she's like you said, turned away from him. He's like kind of like looking over her shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> His face gets even bigger, if you can imagine that in the screen. He's trying to sneak a peek. That's right. I forgot she stole the deeds too. Mm-hmm. the deeds to the uh, house that Tom Cassidy was bragging about. Yeah. Serves him right. Fuck that guy. I mean, yeah. Fuck that guy. So he's looking at her license. He's looking at the license plate in front of her car. And he just kind of stares at her for a while. And then she continues to act suspicious by telling him, I just want to go. I just want to leave. Can I leave? Can I go? What are you doing? I just want to go. I want to pause here. Sid, have you ever been pulled over? (laughs) Yes. You have. Okay. Uh I have too. Um, And just let me say something. We won't go into details of why or how. And we, nope, nope. But it takes this cop 
two seconds to verify that she is her and the license plate lines up with her whatever. Mm-hmm. When you get pulled over, it takes them like 30 fucking minutes and they have computers <laughs> and they can cross reference all this bullshit. All, like back in the old days, it was so simple. You look at yeah. one piece of paper, you look at the license, it matches, you're good. Get out of here. And she just peels out like, like she wants to get away from this guy. Yeah, she booked it. That's a good point. Yeah, he doesn't really like check anything, just checks her face, looks at the license and it's like, all right, bye. He also doesn't say you could leave. She just kind of. No, assumes. she just kind of like peels out and she doesn't politely like leave she like hauls ass steps on the gas yes and then we yeah. kind of get this fake out where he tails her for a little bit and she's doing the crazy eyebrows looking in her rear view mirror and she you know obviously thinks that he's trying to follow her and then he goes another direction psycho just kidding she does a really good job of yeah no i'm just gonna skip over that <laughs> she does a really good job of managing to even though she's acting suspicious, she looks innocent in her face. Her face looks innocent. It's not until she opens her mouth that people start to suspect her. <laughs> That's what people say about me, too. They're like, that That Jack. Looks so innocent, but when I open my mouth. Do we do we say that about you, Jack? Not you, probably. <laughs> not thing and not Mort. Say. I can tell you that. Mort probably has a pretty no, low Mort opinion of me right now. You. Oh, come on. I say it every morning when I walk in and see you. <laughs> this morning, yes. This one morning. Mm. <laughs> So, okay, Jesus. So, like Jack said, uh, Marion relaxes when she sees Mort, our policeman, take an exit, and she just keeps driving. So Marion's driving, and it, I think it bothers her. Like she knows he looked at her license, so she doesn't want to take any chances. So she pulls off and goes into a used car lot, and she's like, "You know what? I'm just gonna trade in my car. Like, let's better safe than sorry." And as she's looking around to talk to the salesperson. We see the cop drive by, see her, and do a U-turn and park across the street and then get out of his car and just stand in front of it with his arms crossed, just kind of smiling and watching her. He's like a he's like a senior picking up his honey for the prom or something. <laughs> he's like arms outstretched on the car, like just hanging out, wait, waiting at her parents' house, which is waiting yes. for her to come out again. Why? That's the person she's trying to fool, right? I know. So you're at this dealership looking to buy another car to foil the person that is already watching you do this. Yeah. A little silly. Well, and at first I thought she didn't see him because she's looking around. She goes to pick up a newspaper, but then she clearly sees him at one point. So at that point, I'd be like, maybe I'll go somewhere else and buy a used car. But she just keeps on going. She's pressuring the salesman like he wants her to go for a test drive. And she's like... No, fuck that. Just sell me the car. I don't want to do this. Like, let's just. This this is some of the best dialogue in the movie. <laughs> and I wrote all of it down. Most of it down. Okay. Car sale. I just wrote car salesman is weird as fuck. California Charlie played by John Anderson, you mean? Yep. That's who I mean. That's who you mean. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, you know what they say? The first person of the day is trouble. I'm going to ask. I'm, wait, wait, I'm, I'm going to treat you so well because I'm not in the mood for trouble. See? Like, he's like a gangster almost, the way he's talking. Yes. And then she says, I just want to trade my car in. And he's, he says, do anything you have a mind to. Being a woman, you will. What the fuck does that mean? He gives her such a hard time. And you know if she was a dude, he would not. He'd be like, oh, okay, man, sure, whatever. But he just, like, keeps giving her. You want to have a workplace drink, buddy? I know. What the fuck? Yes. So California Charlie is being obnoxious. But she's yes. also, like 
being suspicious as fuck. Mm -hmm. Like, she is not playing this cool at all. So he's like, what is going on? Why is there a cop across the street staring at us? Mm -hmm. He's getting Mm -hmm. the ick a little bit. Yeah, she's very pushy. And he even mentions like, oh, I've never had a customer push the salesman or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. So, but eventually she's like, I just want to trade in my car. And I want this car. He's like, okay, it's seven hundred dollars, then that's fine. So she goes into the bathroom to pull out a wad of cash and puts the, the rest of it back in her purse and gives him the money. She also like she should have had a little more forethought with this because she packed the world's tiniest purse, mm-hmm. and the money is just sticking out like a red flag, literally yeah. out of the purse. Yes, yes, it is. So um, they make the sale, and the cop sees that they make the sale. So he pulls around and is starting to drive into the used car sales lot. Yep. She makes the deal, gets her ass into the new car, and is about to peel away. And one of the workers is like, oh, wait, you forgot your your suitcase and your coat. And she's like, great, thanks. Sort on the back. Bye. Bye. And, like, peels out. still off. peels out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely not suspicious at all, girl. So we get a shot of, like, her cars leaving the mm-hmm. dealership. And then it's just those three guys all walking slowly to the camera, all mm-hmm. not looking at each other, just looking at her. And just they're so suspicious and so weirded out with this interaction. Yeah, not not great. No, would not hire her to do poker. So then our violins come back, which I don't know about you, Jack, but I really liked the movie, the music for this movie. Yes. Like very. creepy. The music is it's very creepy. It's very frantic. It, mm-hmm. It's like rushed. It, it, it makes you very anxious. Yeah, that's a good point. I thought it really added to the ambiance of this one. Not like our dueling banjos for uh, Friday the 13th. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. So then we start doing that thing again where we pan in on Marion's face while she's kind of thinking out loud. You're hearing her thoughts of what people are saying like, Mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, she didn't come into work. And that's crazy. And are you sure she didn't bank the money? And so she's worried about what her sister's saying, her boss, that kind of thing. So she's kind of unraveling a little bit at this point. But I did like the part where she is imagining Mr. Lowry talking to Tom Cassidy about his money being gone. And yes, Tom Cassidy's like, she was flirting with me. I, and as I yes. zoom in on her face, she just starts smirking because he was such a dick. And I'm like, nice. Get it. Girl. I, I noticed that. I love that because he was like, $40,000 isn't nothing to me, which I did look this up. That's $400,000 now. Holy shit, dude. That's a so, lot. Fuck, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. I want $400,000. I'll take $40,000 shit. Well, okay. So if this scenario happened, would you leave town? Would I steal the money? Yeah. No, because I'd probably be as suspicious as her. I'd be like, what? I don't know. Am I being (laughs) suspicious? And like, they'd catch me and be like, girl, stop it. You don't want to meet a long faced cop either. So (laughs) I don't. I don't want to meet a different Mort. Not you, Mort, obviously. We're happy to have you here. Yes, yes. I'll take that money and run. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Well, you're a cop. You can, you know you know how to do it. Sitter, how much are we paying him? <laughs> Not $40,000. <000. laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he would just do that. I'll be here forever. Hooray! So while Marion is driving and unraveling, it starts raining, and we see that it's nighttime. So she's like, okay, I'm going to pull over. I'm going to find a place to stay for the night. And she sees the Bates Motel kind of pop up out of nowhere. Um, So she decides to check in. But uh, as she goes into the front office, there's no one in there. So she runs back outside. It's still raining. And she sees there's a house up on the hill. And it's lit up. There's lights. And she sees a silhouette of a woman. So she runs to the car and starts slamming on her horn, hoping someone will hear her and come down to check her in for a room. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was 
pretty resourceful. Yeah, it was actually a good idea. I was like, how is she going to get this guy's attention or this lady's mm-hmm. attention? Oh, okay. That makes sense. Also, this house, I love this house. Me too. I know it's right? dark and you can't really tell what's the features of it, but it's it's a really cool looking house. It's a cool, creepy old house. Yes. Very ornate and gothic. Mm-hmm. So a man comes running down the hill, which is, of course, Norman Bates, played by Anthony Perkins. And he starts chit-chatting with her and checks her in. And she checks in under a fake name. And she writes down Los Angeles because that was the name on the paper. Because he asked her for her hometown, which is weird. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a thing. I will say, pretty charmed by Norm this first scene. He's charming at first, yeah. I I just wrote Norman. Norman seems fine. Mm-hmm. He's like a nice guy. He's like a goofball. And then he asked her to have dinner. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't know if you caught this, but when he's first talking to her, checking her in, like having her write in the logbook, he almost starts to hand her key two. And then he changes his mind and gives her key one, mm-hmm. which as we find out later is because key one, there's a peephole into that room. Imagine that. So if she had been like ugly, maybe he would have given her cabin two. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh. Yeah. Yeah. So. I wonder how long it took for Norm to set that little trap up or if that's always been there. A little peepee hole. Little peepee hole, yeah. I, I thought they, well, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him to make that hole, little peeper hole. Uh, oh, sure, sure. So, um, yes, like Jack said, he shows her to her room and he's saying, well, what are you doing for dinner? And she's like, well, there's a, there's a diner. I'll check it out. But it's 10 miles up the road. It's raining. He's like, you're not going to do that, right? And she's like, well, Probably not. He's like, well, just come on up to the house. Come to the house. I'll make you dinner. No problem. Which it's the 60s. So I don't know if she actually wanted to or if it was just impolite. But she's like, uh, OK, sure. Yeah. So she seemed pretty like, oh, OK, sure. Yeah. Like, that'd be nice. Yeah. She's not afraid of him. That's true. So that was probably more normal then, too. So he runs up to the house. She's looking for a place to stash her cash, which uh, yeah. she I did think this was kind of clever. She eventually like stashes it in the Los Angeles newspaper that she got from the used car lot. Yeah, much less conspicuous than just an envelope sticking out of your purse. Yeah, it's just a fat-ass newspaper now. (laughs) So then she can kind of hear their shouting, and she hears a woman's voice saying, like, oh, you're not inviting that. She doesn't call her a whore. She calls her something. She essentially implies, like, I'm not feeding that horrible woman and blah, blah, blah. And Norman's trying to be reasonable, and his mom's like, no. Not doing it. Yeah, this lady is going ballistic. Like, she's Mm -hmm. screaming at him. Yeah. So Norman comes down, back down to the hotel motel with, like, a tray of food. And Marion's telling him, oh, he didn't have to go to all that trouble. Like, I'm not actually that hungry. And he's like, well, I I did this for you. And she's like, okay. And she invites him into her room. And he starts to go and then stops. And he can't, like, cross that threshold. So you can see, like, early glimpse of there's something something going on in the old brain pan where he's like, oh, at, oh, boundary. So he invites her into the office and then it's like, never mind, the parlor's much nicer, which it's full of fucking dead birds. That's pretty nice. Is it? Well, decor. Yeah. Is that nice? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So we got dead birdies everywhere. We got uh, some ravens. We've got some owls. Let's not forget that he talks about how much he loves birds and he loves stuffing them while she's eating. Okay. She, he gives her like a half a sandwich yeah. and she eats one piece of bread the entire conversation. Well, he tells her she eats like a bird and then he's like, actually, that's like right. a weird thing because birds eat like their own weight. Uh, not that I, it's like, sir, d- nope, no. Norman. Norman, no. Norman's not normal. 
So yeah, he starts telling her how much he likes taxidermy and stuffing birds and all this, like goes into detail. There's sawdust and chemicals and it's like, okay, <laughs> dude, like you're really giving off some vibes here. I know. And then she's trying to be like, oh, well, sure. But like when you're not working on the hotel, like you go out with your friends and he's like, oh, well, a boy's best friend is his mother. And that's when right. she's like, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can tell she is turning at this point like she her opinion of norman is yes turning on him yeah so um he then asks her what she is running away from and she asks acts suspicious as fuck again she's like whoa whoa what have you heard why would you ask that and uh, he's like oh no i just it's just a expression i didn't mean anything by it and so they chat for a bit and then he said something that i really liked because she's talking about like how hard his mama is on him and uh, i wrote it down because i'm cool and she says we're all in our private traps clamped in them and none of us can ever get out mm -hmm. and she's like well that's terrible and he's like no nah, i was born into mine like i'm used to it now and she's like i don't i don't think that's a thing you should be used to right yeah and he goes into the like oh uh, his mom's very cruel mm-hmm Two dead husbands. She's raising a son by herself. Yep, his... So now we're getting on the kind of like mom conversation. And you can tell he's getting more agitated when yes. when that's he, brought up. The way he plays this, just flipping back and forth from like affable Norman to getting more and more agitated as they're talking about his mom was so amazing. Like he's yeah. amazing. Like it's this great. whole movie. Yeah. It's believable. That's what's absolutely like. You don't even have to really listen to what he's saying. You can just look at his body language and be like, oh, God, he is uh, he is not happy with her right now. Crying into that it's stuff. It's subtle, too. Right. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like over the top, like goofy. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It... Well, I was just going to say she had a funny line. She's like <laughs> or I, I thought it was funny. She says, why don't you go away? And I'm like, oh, that's kind of mean. Like she <laughs> yeah. like was telling him why to don't you go away. Why, why you fuck off? <laughs> And what she means is, like, why, why don't you, like, take a vacation? I like get away from the motel. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I love my mother. I can't I can't do that. I can't, let, like, leave her. I couldn't do that, yeah. He also says he loves his mother but hates what she has become. Which yeah, is like, I wrote mm -hmm. that line down, too. A little foreshadowing there. I also liked, I don't know if you picked up on this, like, the angles that they do a lot in this movie. Like, his face is near the right side of the screen, and you're kind of looking up. And, like, the, the owl with its wings just outspread is like looking down on him mm -hmm. while he is talking about it. and it looks like the bird's going to attack so <laughs> i did not notice yeah that. i don't know i thought it helped like while he's monologuing about his mom and like getting more and more agitated it's like this creepy bird of prey over his shoulder watching him yeah which maybe signifies his mother or something i don't know <laughs> oh i felt like i keep doing that <laughs> noise too much but i'm going to put in a different noise but it just kind of sounds like i'm screeching well mort you know what to do leave that in <laughs> i think i did it earlier this episode so i, I gotcha <laughs> you did so marion essentially tells norman like hey she's you know like would you ever consider putting her away and he yeah. freaks the fuck out like he sits up he said you know sits forward and he's very intense and he's like put her in a madhouse and it almost seems like you're talking to someone else for like just a mm -hmm. second because he's angry like he's still speaking softly but he's angry and he's just like that's where people laugh at you like why would you suggest that um he says it a lot more eloquently but that's the gist of he's angry that she would even suggest that and then she apologizes and he sits back and he starts laughing and he's gentle again and it's it was very well done and he has like the best line right here oh yes we all go a little mad sometimes she just goes a little mm -hmm. mad sometimes mm -hmm. we all go a little mad sometimes haven't yeah. you 
Oh, so good. So, uh, yes, Marion kind of has a change of heart after talking to Norman and talking about being stuck in their traps. And Mm -hmm. she's like, you know, I put myself in my trap. And then she's like, you know what? I'm going to get up early tomorrow. I'm going to head back to Phoenix. And he's like, oh, um, and I'm sorry, what was your what was your last name? Like, what's your surname? And she gives him her real surname and she's mentioned Phoenix. So, yeah, we can tell she's kind of had a change of heart. And then when she goes back to her room, he checks the log books and knows that she's lied to him. And he has like a devious smile too. Yeah, yeah, he's smiling. So then Norman goes to his peeper hole and takes down his painting, which allows him to look from the office into her motel. And she's running around in a bra and underoos because she's going to take a shower soon. Again, the 60s was a weird time. These bras, they're pointy. The pointed bra. (laughs) You can put some eyes out with those. They are aggressive bras. Yeah, they got to have that triangle shape to punch a man. I I guess. (laughs) So um, he puts the painting back. He leaves the lodge. He goes up to the house. And then he pauses at the stairs and changes his mind and goes into the kitchen. So then we go back over to Marion, who is sitting down crunching some numbers. Because I think, I'm not sure if she's doing that to see how much she took. I think so. And and if she's going to have to pay back or what? I I hate to to dig on Marion a little bit here, but it's literally $40,000 minus 700 Mm. minus 10, which is we later find out that's what Sam and Lila paid for the room. So unless you got gas and did some other expenses, it's not that like, (laughs) I'm sorry, you should be able to do the like math in your head, but this comes out later. This this becomes a clue later that she wrote it down and like ripped it up. Right, because she writes down the numbers to mm-hmm. figure out her yes. math and then flushes it yes. down the toilet. But she missed a piece. So then Marion um, hops over to the bathroom and gets into the shower after she flushes down her bad math. <laughs> we all want to flush our bad math. That's well, same. Yes, obviously. So she's in the shower. We're getting some kind of wide shots. We're looking up at the shower. And then I was just going to say she. That, what? is enjoying this shower she's like a turkey in the rain like mouth open to the to the water it's really weird <laughs> have you ever heard that expression turkey in the rain. i that think like turkeys turkey will thing? drown they'll like look up at the sky and then they keep their mouth open and then drown and what i don't know if this is a thing that maybe this is just like some kind of like <laughs> i don't know if this is real or not i remember hearing this as a kid maybe this is like my parents like yeah that's why we have thanksgiving and no that. one kills them they kill themselves or something like that i don't know okay all all of our wonderful listeners please write in and let us know oh god turkeys kill themselves by staring up at the sky with their mouth open. it's not it's not a common thing <laughs> it's just a field of turkeys with their mouths open. <laughs> it's like just drowning <laughs> Poor fucking turkey. So anyway, um, she looked like a turkey enjoying the rain. I don't know. But to, wasn't it weird how, like, she was, she, she was so happy to take a shower? Yeah, she was having a good time in her shower. So they do that thing again where she's on the, um, you can see her, and you can mm-hmm. see her doing her little dance in the shower. But she's on the, <laughs> she's on the right side, and you kind of, can see the shower curtain and you see a figure open the bathroom door and come in towards her yeah which like it's so well done just adding to the slow creep factor like he takes his time with the creepy stuff which i appreciate mm-hmm. and then the curtain rips open and she's screaming and there's a woman in a dress with her hair up and a big old butcher knife and she's just stabbing the fuck out of marion and marion goes down i but you don't see a lot of gore you really don't you see 
like a little blood on her and then blood going down the drain. Like it's getting washed mm-hmm. off her. This is where I was kind of like, I, I didn't know what was going to happen after this. Cause I didn't think she, I didn't think she died. Oh really? No, I, I was, I don't know why I thought that, but I thought hmm. kind of like we had talked about, she seems like she's the main, the protagonist, the main person. So like for her mm. to just die in the middle of this is really odd. That that's fair. Yeah. She's, not even in half the movie. That's a good point. But unfortunately for Jack, she does. She is very much dead. Yeah. They do a cool transition I like where like the bloody water runs down the drain and then it transitioned into her eye and it's just zoomed in on her eye. And then we pan out and it's um, like her face is on the tile because she has like fallen halfway out the bathtub and ripped the shower curtain down. Which if I mean, if that's like an actual like she had to keep her eye, her eye open for like a while. Like, that was impressive. Right. And she's, what's funny is that, like, you zoom out very slowly from her eye, which is really creepy. I don't like that shot. And then it, it, it like, pans over like she's looking at the newspaper with the money in it. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Oh, well. Sorry, Sam. Shouldn't, uh, shouldn't have lied. So, yeah. Then we pan over to the house, and we can just hear Norman shouting, Mother, the blood! So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Norman has found out his mommy has killed again. Yeah, yeah. So he runs down into Marion's room and he has a moment where he kind of panics and feels emotion. And then he just goes pretty cold and emotionless and just starts cleaning very efficiently. Like he's done this before. Like he's done this before. Hmm. I will say, although this process was drawn out, him cleaning, it was very interesting. Because like you said, it shows that he's methodical and he knows what to clean and and how how well to clean it yeah he is that's a good point it didn't feel like i wasn't bored watching him do it even though you do watch him go through all of it it's Mm -hmm. yeah it was interesting he puts her in a shower curtain um he starts cleaning up the bathroom he's just essentially taking all of her stuff all of her belongings out of the room and then he backs her car up and puts her body in the car, puts her trunk in the like her suitcase in the car. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything that was in the room he puts in the back of the in the trunk of her car, which that is some trunk space. My God. Yeah. She puts the trunk in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> and it had like yes. the, when they opened the trunk, it had like this nice like it was like a Louis Vuitton like <laughs> yeah. style like uh, yes. I don't know what you call it. Like, oh, like some kind of line. Thank you. Thank you, Morgan. Liner. That's why we pay you the big bucks. <laughs> That's right. 40 bones this episode. 40 whole dollars. Oh, Mort's having a good night tonight. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I, um, at first, he misses the newspaper, and I was like, yeah. oh, that's going to be it. That's going to be the thing. But then he comes back, makes a final sweep, and grabs it. I was like, oh, shit, okay. I um, absolutely thought that was going to be the thing that like got him caught. I, yeah, I totally forgot. I think I wrote down, um, guess daddy won't be buying her a house after all. Because I'm cool. Um, <laughs> so uh, he uh, he drives Marion's car to this lake. Like right behind the motel too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not very far. But um, so he pushes the car in and then he we watch him nervously watch oh, to make sure the car sinks. And for a minute it looks like it's not going to. It like The car is so big it just goes donk. And he's like, <laughs> he has like this worried look on his face, like, oh, God, no. And then it just goes, blah, 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 and like finally sinks the rest of the way. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, he has a goofy ass little smile. Yes. And then we are bouncing over to a hardware store. And at first we don't know who it is, but a woman comes in, Lila, Lila Crane, who is Marion's sister, 
who was played by Vera uh, Miles. Miles. Vera Miles. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And Vera is asking for Sam. Not Vera. Lila is asking for Sam. Where is my sister? You know, I don't care if you're with her. I don't care what you guys do. I just, I haven't talked to her all weekend, all week. I need to know she's okay. Sam's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, so I guess we're led to believe that their love affair was secret from everyone, but like maybe her sister, maybe she talked to her sister about it or something. Yeah. Because her sister sister. knows about it and knows about Sam. Mm -hmm. And we get the sense she might not like Sam, but that doesn't matter. She just wants to know her sister's okay. And then we meet... Detective Milton Arbogast. Arbogast. And he comes in really fucking close to the camera. Like his face is right there. Yeah, he's like Mort Mills in the camera. <laughs> yes. And oh no, I didn't write it down. Oh, his name? I have it up here if you want me to rattle it off. Yeah, if you don't it's mind. Martin Balsam. Thank you. Yeah. Balsam. So Detective Balsam Wood comes in really fucking close to the screen and she is asking about her sister and he's like, yeah, I want to know where she is, too. And they're like, who the fuck are you? Why are you in our conversation? Mm-hmm. I, I was just going to mention that. So in extra in the Exorcist movie, we have Lieutenant yeah. Kinderman, who is <laughs> yeah. a absolute poor version of Mr. Arbogast. Great Arbogast. name. It's terrible, though. It's, it's mm-hmm. like Arbogast. What does that make you think of? I, I just like it's such a confounding name. Nothing good. Uh, okay, well, we won't go. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, he's a he's a better version of Kinderman, but they both do this thing, and this is must be in this era because he's a detective. He's a he's a private uh, uh, investigator, and he's yeah. he's he's investigating on the behalf of Tom Cassidy to find that forty thousand dollars. Yes. But he is laying out his thought processes, his deductions, like beat <laughs> for beat. Much yep. like Kinderman did in in The Exorcist, and it's <laughs> it's it's so it's so cheesy because they're like, well, maybe this person did this, or maybe they didn't, and they did this. And it's like, what? okay, this is so weird. How like, uh, I don't know. I, I like him as a character, but his like, yeah, deductive reasoning is kind of annoying. Our meeting of him was not great. I no. did like him a lot as you're watching him, but meeting him you're just like oh who is this asshole yes he's yeah like jack said he's essentially been hired by tom cassidy to find the money so that is why he cares about where marion crane is and then we have like this weird montage because he goes around to different hotels asking them but it's not like a fun montage trying on clothes scenes it's like got the screechy violins in the background (laughs) yeah (laughs) and he's like asking (laughs) proprietors like have you seen this woman yeah (laughs) that just made me laugh so then we see him pull up to the Bates Motel and Norman's mm-hmm. sitting outside chomping on some candies. I mean, he has a vintage bag of candy corn and it's still spelled candy corn both K's. <laughs> oh, I didn't that even know. some old school shit. <laughs> Speaking of shit, candy corn is like, Ugh. you know, Abraham, uh, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Um, it's. The candy corn is the inverse of that. It's the pyramid of shit because yeah. it's the worst fucking candy ever. Whereas Abraham it's Maslow, so it's like, oh, you get like enlightenment at the beginning, at the top. No, candy corn is the worst. It's like the exact <laughs> inverse of that. Yeah, I mean, this is this is definitely one of the most concrete indications that Mr. Bates is loony. <laughs> He's loony. <laughs> and the candy is associated with a psycho. Yes. Yeah, I got... <laughs> I uh, I appreciate that more. Good catch. All right. So Norman is chewing old school candy corn. Gross. Mm. Uh, and 
Detective Arbogast starts questioning him. And at first he's pretty gentle and Norman's like, oh, no, I, I haven't seen anybody. We haven't had anybody for weeks. But the detective can tell, I guess, that he's lying to him because he keeps questioning him. And then Norman's like, oh, I, you know, I forget to turn that sign on. And I had a couple last week tell me that if I hadn't turned the sign on, like, they almost missed us. And he's like, well, wait, I thought you said no one was here for, like, a couple weeks. He's like, oh, well, I mean, yeah. And then he starts to stutter and backpedal a little bit. Yes. This is where I love Arbogast because he's... This is like the detective yeah. work where you're cornering someone and then make and, and asking them the same question and they're saying a different story and you kind of like confront them on that. That's how I want to hear it, not like his theories of what happened. And uh, anyway, yeah. yes, this is this is the best part of him. Yeah, and he I, I appreciate that he just kind of keeps letting Norman talk because the longer he talks, the longer Norman incriminates himself. Mm-hmm. So he's just very patient. He's kind of playing with him a little bit mm-hmm. because Norman just by himself, just as Norman, isn't smart enough to evade the police. No, I think he's just been lucky all this time up until now. Yeah. Like, no one's come looking. When the, You know what the sad part is? The only reason someone came looking is for money. It's not because they were missing her. That bums me out. It's like nothing's changed from the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> is that the other <laughs> version of your... Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's the scary version. <laughs> <laughs> So he he's asking about Marion and he says, I want to look at the guest log. Well, actually, he pulls out a picture of Marion mm-hmm. and gives it to Norman. And he's like, you recognize her? He's like, nope. Yeah. And then he's asking about the, the guest log. And then he he's analyzing the handwriting and realizes it's the same as Marion's, the fake name that she wrote. And then Norman's like, oh, I, I she does look kind of familiar. Yeah, it was her. Oh, yeah. I do recognize her. That's kind of a bad picture. But now that you mention it, like, yeah. Okay, Norman. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. So he checks the logbook and suddenly he remembers her and he's Mm -hmm. trying to tell a story and he just keeps tripping himself up in a lie. And so essentially the detective is like, well, is she is she here? Is she hiding somewhere? Did she pay you to hide her? And Norman's like, no, no. He's like, no, I'm going to. He's like, no. (laughs) He does like a crazy laugh after it. And it's like, dude. And Marion are not good liars. Right. Yeah. Right. So Norman's essentially like, well, I'm going to go change the sheets and all the cabins. You can just come with me and check. And uh, Arbogast is like, well, who who's up in that house? I yeah. want to talk to them. And she's like, no, 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 that's uh, that's my invalid mom. Like, you don't want to talk to her. And Arbogast very much wants to talk to her. Well, and he says invalid, but like, I think Arbogast sees her silhouette of her standing up. Is that correct? Yes. So unless she's like in a like... <laughs> Hannibal Lecter gurney or something like (laughs) (laughs) which maybe she is she should be apparently (laughs) essentially Norman's like shuts it down like hey you're not talking to my mom leave me alone I'm done talking to you so Arbogast is pretends like okay all right yeah yeah man I'm going so Norman starts to go clean the hotel rooms and Arbogast makes a phone call he he calls Lila Crane like he he goes out to a um phone booth drive to a pay back in the day yeah (laughs) Uh, and he calls her and he tells her his suspicions like, hey, I think Norman's hiding something like I'm going to try to go talk to the mom. And if I don't call you back in like an hour or something like that, it'll be mm-hmm. an hour or less. He also mentions that he doesn't think Sam know- knew about Marion. So he like clears Sam of yes, like the guilt or, you know, the, the suspicion of being a sus- suspect in this. That's right. Yes. Thank you. I forgot to mention that. So then Arbogast is back and he drives up to the house. No, he drives up to the hotel, but he walks up 
to the house after checking to see that Norman's not around. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, nobody locks their fucking doors in this movie, by the way. All the doors they try are just open. Every door. Like, alrighty. We even find later that when Sam and Lila go to the motel, they open the cabin one and they don't even Mm -hmm. need the key because they're assigned a different cabin. So, like, absolutely Mm -hmm. no door is locked in this, ever. Nothing's locked. Arbogast doesn't see Norman, so he decides it's safe, so he goes up slowly to the house because he wants to find his mom, Norman's mom, and he opens the door and just goes on in like, all right, I feel like that's fully breaking and entering, but uh-huh, okay. Yeah, he, he pulls a Rachel from the ring and just goes into what's-his-name's house and starts just snooping around like like nothing, no, no big deal, not invasion of property or privacy <laughs> or anything like that. So he is slowly climbing up the stairs, and this is well done too because he doesn't see the danger but as he's climbing the stairs we see a door slowly creak open and just kind of see the lights and then someone a woman runs over and she's in a, a house dress her hair's up and she's got this huge butcher knife and she stabs him and then he falls down the stairs yes and dies and i will say like like you were saying in the bathroom scene this movie has such great camera angles because the way we see mm-hmm. this it's like a bird eye, bird's eye view of Arbogast coming up the stairs and then yeah. mother coming out of the room. And so we can't see her face. It hides her face. Mm-hmm. And then he, she just goes straight for him and starts stabbing him. Stabs the shit out of him and he falls to his doom. Yes. The la- I like that too. I like all the angles. Yeah. The last Arbogast of Arbogast. Never mind. Boo! You suck! Boo! Okay, that was bad. I hate it here! Boo! <laughs> <laughs> So we have gone back to Sam and Lila, who are hanging out in Sam's store, waiting for the call from Detective Arbogast, who is no more. And Lila's like, look, something's wrong. We need to go check this out. And Sam's like, no, it's it's fine. Like, shit's, he would have called. And she's like, it's been three hours. He said an hour or less. Like, Sam is clearly unbothered for someone whose girlfriend has been missing. Yeah. He doesn't really give a fuck. And they're again doing this overacting because it's, of course, the 60s. And I was like, I just can't take it anymore. We got to go there. And Sam's like, now, listen, babe, we're we're going to wait it out. It's only been three hours or something like that. It's like, <laughs> listen, babe, listen, toots. Oh, Lord in heaven. Yes. So uh, it's funny because Lila's the one that wants to go. And Sam's all of a sudden when he realizes she won't drop it. He's like, Ugh, OK, fine. I'll go. And you stay here. And she's like, what the fuck? I wanted to be the one to go. Why do I have to stay in your dumpy little hardware store? It'd be funny. She's like, you're right. This place does suck. And it's a good thing you didn't marry Marion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Sam toodles off to look for Norman and Armoga- Arbogast. He looms. Loomis is off. Boo! Boo! <laughs> Boo! <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> okay. I'll stop trying to make jokes. I mean, you can keep trying. Yeah. (laughs) I could, but I don't know. I just I'm going to go full straight this the rest of this episode. Um, Okay, so Norman is looking for Arbogast. They do kind of like a fun layover thing where he's like looking for him. But then they also show Norman like standing by the lake, which is the same lake he sunk Marion's car in. So we realize he's probably found the body and sunk him. Oh, Okay, I didn't get that point. I, I thought he was, like, up on, like, perched near the house mm. and looking down. That makes a lot more sense because he's, like, hidden from view then. So, obviously, Sam couldn't see Yeah, him. I think they're, yeah, yeah, they're just trying to, like, to speed it up. Like, hey, he got rid of the body in the same it's way. In the swamp, yeah. And yeah. he's just, Sam is just like, Arbogast, 
like it's just oh it's the best name to be yelling like that yeah it reminds me of never ending story where it's artex although that movie was so yeah that was so scarring as a kid stupid horse yeah fucking i can't watch that scene even hell no and now i said that i'm like made myself sad so let's move on (laughs) i know i'm like now everybody is sad thanks Jack's having a rough episode. This is not good. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm done after this. Jesus. Oh, okay. Um, so Sam comes back. Mm-hmm. And then fucking unhingedly, that's not a word, <laughs> Sam and Lila go to the sheriff's house in the middle of the fucking night because it's that small of a town. Yeah. Sheriff Al Chambers, who is played by John McIntyre, and his wife just like, answer, that's fine. This is normal. Yeah, yeah, they're they're... They're both up. This is like, uh, what is this? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street where everyone, like all the parents are just <laughs> wandering around at 1 a.m. in the morning. Right. Like these, these people, the sheriff and his wife are just up, hanging out. No problem. Should be in bed though. I have written down like, is this just a 1960s thing? Like, is that just what you did back then? I guess you just were bored and couldn't fall asleep or something. I don't know. Just go bother the sheriff. He's up. It's fine. So they tell him what happened. They tell him Marion's been gone for a week now. And the sheriff is saying, like, well, you know what? I think that your detective, Arbogast, just took the money and ran. Like, I don't think you're going to see it again. And Lila essentially breaks down. It's like, can you just please call the Bates Motel? Just, I just need to know. So Sheriff Chambers calls up and talks to Norman for a little bit. Like, he clearly doesn't believe them. And he, and it's established before this that the sheriff knows Norman. Right, yes. They're like, oh, he's a he's a hermit. Like, they know who this guy is, too. He's like 15 miles up the road or something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, Norman tells the sheriff, like, hey, yeah, that detective was here, but he left. Like, I haven't seen him. So then the sheriff's like, okay, thanks, and hangs up. Mm-hmm. And then they're talking some more, and the sheriff says, well, I, I don't know what woman you saw or what mother you saw because Norman Bates's mother has been dead for 10 years. And it's kind of a <gasps> what? Yeah, exactly. Which is like, oh, if I wouldn't have had this movie spoiled for me back back when that would have been like the what? Wait a second. Right. Like imagine seeing this in theaters. That would have blown my fucking mind. Yeah. So they called it a murder suicide. They said that uh, Mrs. Bates found out that her lover was actually a married man. So in a fit of rage, she poisoned him and then poisoned herself. And they used strychnine. So and Norman is the one that found them. So the well, that's kind of starting to make sense now a little bit. Mm. Some of those mummy issues. Mummy and mommy. Mm. Oh, mummy, mummy! Stop it! Oh my god! Stop (laughs) it! (laughs) Anyways, uh, so we go back over to Norman, who is slowly walking up the stairs, talking to his mom, and he's trying to tell her, like, "Hey, you got to go back down to the fruit cellar. Like, they already came looking for that girl. They're gonna come back." And she's like, "I'm not going in the damn fruit cellar." And yeah, you think I'm fruity and all that stuff, which made me laugh. I saw this movie too young, so the first time I saw it, when she's like, you think I'm fruity? I just cackled. (laughs) Like, I missed all the nuance of the fucking movie, and I just thought that part was funny. So we see him go into her room, and she's like, no, 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 I'm I'm not going downstairs. I've already told you, get out of my room. Then you see Norman, the man, be a little threatening, because he's like, I'll just carry you. And you see him, like, carrying a body downstairs, and you hear her shouting, put me down, I can walk, I'm not going down there. It's like, clearly you can't walk. The way her legs are like dangling as he was carrying her, <laughs> there's no way. 
Right? Miss ma'am. So then we hop over to Sam and Lila, who are stalking the sheriff and his wife as they pop up and catch them right outside of church service. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the sheriff gives her some good advice. He's like, you know what? Why don't you file a missing person report? Like, that's the sooner you let the actual law do it instead of you. Like, the sooner we can get this going here. Like, quit bothering me. A good point. But at the same time, they literally just told him all of that last night. I know. So can't he just file the report? Yeah, but he's not gonna. Mm-hmm. So Sam and Lila are like, fuck it. We're going to go to the Bates Motel together. We're going to get some answers. We're going to figure this out. Oh, the sheriff said he went there already, too. Before they were in church, he said he went to the motel, which is like, yeah. whoa. Which all that okay. means, I'm guessing, is like he talked to Norman and Norman's like, yeah, man, he's not here. And he's like, all right, cool. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Like he clearly doesn't think there's anything fishy going on so sam and lila check in as husband and wife and they get cabin like eight or nine ten (laughs) ten just kidding i don't know did they get cabin ten or are you just fucking with me oh ten okay (laughs) whatever i'm sorry it's fine it's fine seems fine (laughs) yeah so lila is convinced that uh, norman knew about the money and stole it from marion and like that's that he's going to use it to escape, essentially. So they start they decide to start searching the cabins. Yes. And they walk to cabin one. And like Jack said, it is not locked. They just walk right in. He, he also accuses him. Well, he, he thinks that he's going to potentially build another motel because the whole thing yeah. is like this motel is on the old highway that used to be busy. Right. And now that the highway has shifted or something. No, they don't have any business. So that's why there's there's no travelers coming to the base motel. So he thinks like either he's gonna he's either gonna escape or he's gonna build a new motel with the money, which would be kind of a weird <laughs> be kind of weird if that's what you did ended up doing. But yeah. So they start searching cabin one and Sam notices there's no shower curtain and Lila finds the little slip of paper that had some of Marion's numbers on it, and she's like this proves she was here. And Sam's like, we already knew she was here. That's not what we're trying to prove. Did we get the part where they have the interaction with Norman when signing in? They do. And Sam starts kind of like grilling him a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this was their plan or they're kind of improvising this as they go. But Sam is like, oh, I have to, I want to sign in because he wants to see what cabin Marion was in. Yeah. And he says, I need it for my, my boss needs it for receipts. Like I need this for a business trip. So he like needs proof mm-hmm. that he was there. And then he says, he said that we don't have any luggage, yeah. which is kind of weird to Norman. He's like, okay. And yeah. then he's like, well, let me, let me take you to room 10. And then Sam's like, well, isn't, it's kind of weird that you're not making us pay yet. And Norm's like, oh, 10 bucks. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, let's go to the room. And he's like, uh, I want my receipt. And so like, it's like this whole back and forth of power play between Sam and Norman, where Sam is like, fucking just has a vice on him and he keeps twisting it because he knows that Norman has knows something that he wants Yeah, about Marion. Norman does not like Sam. You kind of get the sense that like Norman does better with women than men. Like he doesn't know how to act around men and he doesn't seem to like them very much. Yeah, that's a very good observation. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Like Sam's already kind of started to fuck with Norman a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so Lila decides that she wants to go up to the house. She wants to find the mom. She wants to talk to the mom. So she's telling Sam, like, hey, you need to distract Norman. I'm going to go up to that fucking house and find the mom. So I have written in my notes, Sam and Norman do some close, awkward talking because Sam is right (laughs) next to Norman's face. They're like in the doorway between the office and the parlor. Yeah. And Sam's like, hey, what's up, buddy? He's like, he's like, he's talking into his mouth, basically. Yeah. (laughs) 
They're like nose to nose. But this is like the whole plan that they came up with because Sam's like, yeah. I'm going to distract Norman and you go up to the house and talk to the old lady so that like they can keep Norman away because apparently, you know, every time they hear about Norman, they hear, they see or he hear about the old lady, but they've never, no one's ever talked to her because she's always mm -hmm. protected by Norman. Yeah. Norman's her bodyguard, essentially. Yeah. So yeah. Lila sees that Sam has Norman distracted. So she starts to run up to the house. And she is upstairs hanging out. She's just starting to look around. She's in the master bed bedroom, not bathroom. And she kind of starts to see, like, it looks like someone still lives here. Like, there's still a divot in the bed. A big divot. A big divot, yeah. Like, like someone's been sleeping there for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's a quite the depression. Yeah, it is quite depressing. That too, yeah. <laughs> so we have a little bit of, like, flashes over to Norman and Sam talking and then back to Lila looking around. And Sam mm -hmm. just keeps, like, digging in the knife a little bit, like Jack said, making Norman really uncomfortable. And he, this is where Norman is becoming extremely fidgety. He's, like, playing with the edge of the counter. And he's, yeah. like, he is, he is going crazy because now Sam is starting to bring up the mom stuff as yes. well. And so we've noticed Norman does not like to talk about his mom. Right. So Lila is still exploring and then she finds a little boy's room and we deduce like, oh, this must have been Norman's room. But it looks like it's still set up for a little boy and someone has still been sleeping in the bed because there's a blanket, which. Yep. So you're starting to get the eerie factor a little bit. Yes. And then back to Sam, who's still fucking with Norman. <laughs> Love it. And then uh, Sam accidentally lets slip essentially that Lila is in the house looking for his mother. Mm -hmm. Sam, Norman starts to freak out and Sam's like, whoa, what's your problem? And Norman just like cracks Sam over the face with some kind of decorative. Something. They get in a little tussle. Yeah. Paperweight and like Sam just goes down and Norman takes off for the house. And, and prior to Sam and Lila splitting up for this plan, mm -hmm. Sam stupidly says, he says, Lila, if you find anything out in the house from the old woman, just go back to town and don't tell me and just leave. It's like, why? Would, why? Right. And leave Sam there with Norm? Like, that seems kind of like a weird plan, ultimately. It kind of smacked of, like, macho nonsense of, like, oh, like, I don't I don't need you to help me. Like, I can, I can handle Norm. I'll take Norman care of Norm. Sure. Squirly, okay. Yeah. Squirrely little guy. Okay. Which is stupid. Like, if you think he might have hurt somebody, don't be alone with him. Right. Right. But uh, so Lila looks out the window. She sees Norman is running up the path, so she hides in the stairwell for the downstairs. Mm -hmm. And she kind of so it's a cool shot because the way it's shot, like you can see Lila hiding in the downstairs stairwell, but you can also see Norman coming in the front door. So we're just kind of like waiting with Lila, like, oh fuck, is he gonna see her? But he goes up the stairs. Mm -hmm. So Lila decides to go down the stairs. Why? Why would you do this? Because she's still looking for her sister. Why would you not run out of the house? She wants her sister. Because presumably this means that Sam is hurt or is incapacitated in some sense. Oh, true. I didn't even think of that. Why would you go? Uh, I, I was, this was, uh, again, this was the scream thing where it's like some <laughs> big breasted bimbo is going to lock the door and then run up the stairs instead of going out the front door. Oh, she went down the stairs though. She didn't run up the stairs. Oh my God. And her boobs aren't that Stid, big. So. Stid, this is not the <laughs> point I'm trying to make here. <sighs> Okay. Okay. Uh, also, it's hard to tell because of the pointy bras. Who knows? Well, that's true. You're right. Thank you. Maybe they were the size of triangle melons. I don't know. Triangle melons? <laughs> I don't fucking know. Hey, Toots, so, I like your pyramids. Uh, yeah, I guess. So <laughs> Lila goes down the basement and she goes into the fruit cellar and she sees a woman sitting 
with a shawl. Her hair's in a bun. And she's not facing her. So she's like, oh, Mrs. Mrs. Bates, Mrs. Bates. And she's doing that, like, slow approach and keeps calling her name. Mm-hmm. And nothing, no response. And she turns the chair. And we see that it's a skeleton with a wig and a shawl. And she lets out this amazing scream. It's yes. so good. Both her and Marion have great scream. Because Marion screamed in the shower when she saw yes. the person with the knife. They had very good screams. Amazing screams. And then we turn and we see a really ugly woman run in the oh. room. And we, we, we realize it's Norman dressed up in a dress with a bun and the butcher knife held high. But he doesn't realize he's Norman. He is Mrs. Bates in his head. And he is screaming. He's trying to stab her. And Sam has made a miraculous recovery and comes in and grabs Norman, grabs the knife. It's all very like. It's very melodramatic, type. too. The way Sam, he it's like. Perfect. It's not melodramatic at all. <laughs> Sid, come on. It's melodramatic. Yeah. No, it's perfect. I will hear no slander. Okay, well, pull your ears. Because what <laughs> Sam does, he, like, grabs the kni- the hand that has the knife and is, like, like, wiggling it back and forth like they're struggling. And he, like, kind of hugs him, and then the wig falls off, and then he, like, slowly, like, gets the hand, the knife hand down on the ground and gets him to drop it. But it's just, like, it just looks kind of kind of funny. Amazing. Glorious. Perfect. You're yeah amazing anyway so it's perfect obviously as jack just stated ah man (laughs) i like disappointing jack so then we are in the courthouse now the tiny ass court i think they're in fairvale california is that right it's a small town fairview fair fairview i think fairview okay maybe something something like that has fair in the title we are it's like the, all the police are there. Lila's there. Sam's there. It's like a room full of people. They all there, yes. And so Dr. Fred Richman, who is our psychiatrist, played by Simon Oakland, is explaining to everybody, essentially, like, Norman's personality is gone. It was only really half there to begin with. And now he is completely snapped. He's fully his mom. And then he tells him, like, Marion is dead. Detective Arbogast is dead. And we find out that Norman and his mom were really close when Norman was little. I think, like, his dad died at five. So they had an unnaturally close relationship. And then she started to date somebody. And uh, Norman couldn't handle that. He got super jealous. And so he actually killed his mom and her lover. So there was no murder-suicide. Norman just snapped and murdered them both. And then he stole the body. He stole his mother's body from the cemetery. And that wasn't enough. So he started speaking to her and having her respond. And that wasn't enough. So he started dressing up as her. Just fully immersed in this fantasy. I, I really like the psychiatrist's explanation of why he started killing girls. Because he was so obsessed with his mother that when he snapped, he assumed his mother was as obsessed with him. So if he as Norman ever felt attracted to him, his mother's side would be enraged and murder them. And Norman Mm -hmm. would kind of black out. And then he would come to see what the mother's side did and then clean up because as a dutiful son, he doesn't. So he's just fully gone. He's he's off the deep end with all this. Yeah. I just, I think that's my favorite part. Like, cause all of it's really good, but like just the explanation and how deep down it goes into his psychosis is, I, that was probably my favorite part. Yeah, it it does kind of smack with the whole – the way this is told to everyone in the room, uh, Dr. Richmond is kind of like condescending. Like, listen oh, up, yeah. dumb fucks. Like, Definitely. Yeah, it's – it's which, again, I, I like that explanation, but it, man, did he nail it. 
he said exactly what happened, which is kind of weird, right? I mean, yeah, I guess that's, you know, you kind of need the story to wrap up. So I guess that's kind of the justification for that. But I, I agree. I really like this ending part. Like he just kind of walks through the entire scenario of how he became this way and why he's going after women. Uh, they also mention he's like, do you have any other missing girls? Yeah. And the guy, the sergeant says, uh, yeah, two or something like that. So there, presumably there's more as well. Yeah, I agree with um, what you say. He is condescending. You're right. But I, I just I like that creep fact. Like just it gets creepier the more you think about it. And I, yeah. I like that that sticks with you. And I guess when I say condescending, what what I really mean is that Lila is like, my sister's dead. And he's like, yes. But was she was he's like, yeah, obviously, was she she murdered by Norman or his mother? It's like you're talking to that chick's sister. Have a little fucking sympathy. Jesus, sir. Let's have a little tact. Jesus. (laughs) Yes. So I have written down uh, Norman Bates is the ultimate mama's boy, obviously. (laughs) Yes. And the mom personality has completely taken over. Like Norman's gone. His mind snapped. It's just mom in there now. So. Now we come to my favorite scene of the whole ass movie. The blanket scene? Yeah, the cops are like, one of the cops comes up and talks to, I think it's the sheriff or the psychiatrist, and it's like, hey, um, he's cold. Can we bring him a, ja- a blanket? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. So the cops go down the hallway. They bring in a blanket to Norman, who is not Norman. Norman is now Mrs. Bates. But we just zoom in on Norman sitting there with the blanket, but it's her speaking. Mm-hmm. And she's essentially like, I. You know, I'm not going down for this. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do anything. I'm not even gonna touch that fly that's landed on my hand. Like that'll show him I could never do anything. And then he just looks up, this slow pan look up with the creepiest fucking smile on his face, and it is amazing. It is everything. Wouldn't even hurt a fly. I wouldn't even hurt a fly. And then they drain the lake, and it's over. That's the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They start pulling the car out, and it's like the end. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I just I love that ending scene. That gave me the creeps the first time I saw it. Yeah, I will say like a, uh, you know, like I've said, horror movies are not my thing because I think it's the gore I don't like. Yeah. But if you get someone that is like truly like there's something wrong with them and you get that like obviously he's not supposed to be smiling because he's in jail right now. But you get that creepy moment of like, oh, my God, like it's so unhinged. this this actor is selling this and it's just it's very unnerving. Yes, exactly. Oh, so good. My partner hadn't seen this before. So every really? Halloween we watch a couple of scary movies mm-hmm. and I, I showed this to him and he. Yeah, was very into this movie and that scene. I think that's his favorite scene. The ending part. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Yeah. Yes. I did enjoy this movie, Sid. So thank you. Yay! Mark it down, everybody. It'll never happen again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, now that I know you're purposely picking things I don't, you don't think I'm going to like. That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. No, absolutely not. Well, all right. So I'm not sure who this is going to because Marion didn't make it. So I guess this is going to Mrs. Bates slash Norman. No, Lila. Oh, it can go to Lila. You're right. Maybe she, I don't know. No, no. Lila definitely deserves a drink. Okay. Lila, Sam, and Mrs. Bates are all at the bar. (laughs) Hey, thank God they're all of age in this one, right? That's true. Everybody's old enough. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
Uh, so I have a drink called Psycho. It is a cocktail. Okay. So it is, it's fancy. Oh, okay. So you place five raspberries, one peeled kumquat into a rocks glass and muddle it. And then you fill the rocks glass to the top with crushed ice. You pour in one ounce of cranberry juice and 0.75 ounces of sugar syrup, 1.5 ounces of scotch whiskey and stir. And then you top it off with crushed ice. Give that a shot. So she's fancy. I would too. That sounds good. Yeah. That's a, you're, you're really like a, you like scotch whiskey. Like that's kind of your go-to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of why you picked this or you're just kind of, I'm just kind of curious. I was just looking for psycho cocktails. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Right. It's bright red too, so it's perfect. Um, Ooh, colors. Yeah, I feel like I drink tequila more in the summer and scotch more in the winter. Okay. But, okay. but yes, I do like scotch. Okay, just just curious. All right. Yeah. So, what do you have for us? Um. So, what I picked was it's called a drink called swamp water, because obviously that's where all the bodies are buried. That's true. Don't spit out that Bud Light on your expensive equipment. Stop telling on me. I'm just trying to finish them. I've got like two left. We need a, like a Patreon just so we can buy some just buy decent, me better. decent alcohol. Uh, I'm um, just going to pick up like White Claws next time or something. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's better. Um, so Swamp Water is – here, I'm going to read the ad because this is like an ad from like, I don't know, Ooh. 80s or something. Swamp okay. Water is an exciting new potion supercharged with 110 proof green chartreuse. It's legal in all 50 states, in parentheses. Ask a bartender to mix you some. If he asks you what the fuck it is, tell him. <laughs> it's one, one and a half ounces of green chartreuse. Add six ounces of pineapple juice and then a quarter ounce lime and ice. Stir. Best part? Note, for party goers, one bottle of green chartreuse makes one gallon of swamp water. Holy shit. <laughs> so, like, the original jungle juice, I guess, for... I guess. Parties. What is chartreuse? Is it like a you know? I had to look that up. It's vodka, a rum. It is a French herbal liqueur. Oh, that doesn't tell me shit. Okay. Okay. Well, it the. I the, mean, it tells me it's a liqueur. Yeah. The backstory is the liqueur has been made by Car- Car- Carthusian monks since <laughs> 1737, according to instructions set out in the manuscript given to them by Francois Anibal Destre. I do. I should not have read that. Oh, my what God. What a fancy drink. Cut all that out and just had booze all over that. But it, <laughs> anyway, I was intrigued by the name Chartreuse, yeah. and I would definitely try that. I'd try it, for yeah. sure. I'm not a huge pineapple fan, but i give it some lime. Give me lime a chance. Yeah, if it's mixed right. It's a nice blend. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I yes, forgot. Yes, this is a yes. new thing we're doing now. And I almost fucked it up, but I didn't. So, Franz, this has been the end of our uh, movie and drinks and all that. But, but we have an email. It's uh, finalfempodcast at gmail.com, um, all lowercase. And we have an Instagram at Final Femme Podcast. So please follow us on there. Let us know if you need movie recommendations or um, if you would be interested in book things or drinks or drink suggestions. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I like the idea of like a Patreon to do little book snippets or something. Also, if I had bad jokes, just email Boo in the subject line. Oh, yeah. Boo. Yeah, we're going to get a lot of those. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, Jack, for hosting with me. This has been fun. I'm glad you liked it. 
Yeah, it was it was good. Thank you for picking this one. Yeah. All right, friends. Until next time. Bye. Bye.